Everybody looking good. Tell somebody you're looking good today. You're looking good today. I'm telling you, you're looking good. God's in, God's up to something. And this morning we're going to begin uh, an eight week emphasis called Heaven's Heroes. Everyone say Heaven's Heroes. And I want to just say to you today, I know I'm preaching to the choir here this morning. You say, choir, what's a choir? Uh, well, I'm just, just a, it's just a figure of speech. Uh, I want to encourage you to get on board in these next eight weeks in really a church-wide emphasis. Our kids this morning are going to be hear, hearing from one of the Old Testament, from Michael and Lyric about one of the Old Testament heroes of the faith. And so here's the focus for these, these next eight weeks. Uh, and uh, you're going to have each week, you're on Sunday morning, beginning this morning, we're going to introduce to you an Old Testament hero of the faith. Now, today I'm going to uh, share with you about Abraham. He's the father of our faith. And I, and let me just say, I am, I don't know if you, I don't know if you watch Pastor Sam at li- on live Facebook at around eight ish. You, you should, uh, not just, it'll get you a head start, but number two, you can share it with your friends on Facebook and people will be ministered to. Uh, I've been doing this for a while. I've got, I've got a pastor friend, Sonny Beaver. He saw some of what I was doing. He said, I, if he can do it, I can do it. And so this morning, uh, I mean, uh, he, right after me, he was up and running. He said, man, I miss Pastor Sam's, uh, 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 live broadcast. I got a little bit of it, got me going. And so, so we're making a difference right there. I've, I had two or three pastors listening this morning, uh, some in this area, uh, and some, if I told you their name, you'd go, I can't believe that guy would listen to you. Uh, uh, and so I just feel good about it. And I gave to you a little bit of insight about Abraham. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to plug in even there and you get a head start. And so every week we're going to give you a life lesson. Uh, from, uh, from heroes of the faith. And I'm going to give you each week, we're going to have suggested reading. And reason I say suggested is I've never had much luck commanding you to read anything. So it's suggested reading. I want to encourage you to, uh, take, and in just a little bit, when we talk about Abraham, you take a picture <coughs> of these different passages of suggested reading through the week. So here, here's, here's the way it works. You show up on Sunday. I'm going to introduce to you a Old Testament hero of the faith. And, and you're going to have the opportunity to get a memory verse as well. You're going to get suggested reading and then a memory verse. And then, <coughs> pardon me, we're going to come back together on Wednesday night and we're going to have a meal. What time's our meal? 6.30? And it's a bring, is it, is it what we call Everybody bring a covered dish, bring something. And I'll tell you, last week we had a good meal after worship. It was awesome. So 6.30 to about 7-ish, we'll eat. And then we're going to break up into life groups. And we're going to discuss the previous Sunday's message and the hero of the faith. Like this Wednesday night, we're going to have a meal. And you're going to get to discuss what you're hearing today. So if you're here today, you pay attention because you'll have something to offer on Wednesday night. Uh, <clears throat> and then I mentioned that our children's lessons, uh, they're going to, they're going to have the same thing going on. And then at the close or during every message for the next eight weeks, we will have a, a life lesson to apply in our own personal life. Now, you're going to learn a lot of things today. You're going to have some things that you can apply in your life. But that's the format for the next eight weeks. And so next week, we're going to talk about Joseph. Man, if you can't learn something from Joseph, uh, and then Moses, and then uh, I'm not sure of how we're going to get all the way down. And the last one is Esther. Uh, and and I'm trying to convince my wife. I, I put it in her. I, how many of you think Beverly ought to do Esther? I said, how many of you think Beverly ought to do Esther? Okay. All in favor, say aye. Any opposed would like sign? And of course there is none. So be it. There you go. That's how I get out of preaching. Amen. All right. There you go. So that's where we're headed. So are you ready this morning? Let's just pray over this entire effort. Let's ask God to supernaturally speak to us and use these next eight weeks 
to empower us and equip us and, and train us and help us be what all God wants us to be. Father, I thank you today for the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study and to, and to learn and to grow and to apply the Word of God in our hearts today. May today be a game changer in all of our lives. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bible to James 2, 23. And while you're turning there, uh, we're going to talk about Abraham, the father of our faith. Uh, and uh, listen, uh, this guy is bigger than life, I'm telling you. Uh, and uh, he's the father of our faith. And uh, we, we gonna, we're going to learn some things about him today. And I would encourage you just to soak it all in. Here, here we go with the suggested reading. This is what I want you to read this week uh, and just kind of take in about the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 11 through chapter 25. And then Romans chapter 3 through 5. Okay, that says four and five. That's probably fine. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, Galatians, the whole book of Galatians, there's not, but how many chapters there? Three or four? Uh, Galatians and then Hebrews chapter 11, which is what? The, the what chapter? The faith chapter. And then James chapter two, verse 14 through 24. There's your suggested reading. And if I were your father, and I am not your father, but if I were your father, I would highly suggest that you take a picture of this or write it down. And this week, you just plug these verses about and, and the life of Abraham into your daily Bible reading. And then you, I don't want to tell you by Wednesday night, when you get here Wednesday night to discuss, we're going to have to, we're going to have to call the cops to shut down the discussion. I'm telling you, it'll be so impactful and so life-changing, we just might have to call the cops to break you folks up because it's going to be good. Everybody say amen. And our kids are learning it too. So today, let me tell you something, what you can do. If you got kids upstairs with Mike and Lyric, you can say, or Michael and Lyric, <coughs> you can say, who did you learn about today? Uh, and let them tell you. And you, and, and I do that with our grandkids. I give them the quiz biz. And so then they can give you the quiz biz too, because they've been learning, uh, about Abraham. So, uh, man, that's where we're headed. Now, the memory verse. Here's the memory verse this week that I want you to work on. In fact, we can read it together. James 2.23. Everybody say James 2.23. Let's read it out loud together. Everyone, here we go. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called. Let's read it together again. This is your memory verse. Look at your neighbor and say, this is your memory verse. Come on now. It's your memory verse. Take a picture of it. Write it down. Here we go. And next week, we may have a quiz about this memory verse right here. Wednesday night, we may have a quiz. What's the memory verse? James 2.23. Let's all say it again together. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Man, I could, I could throw my notes away right now and talk about this for a while. But as we'll talk today, uh, you'll hear a lot about this. But I'm telling you, you want to be the friend of God? Man, you got to believe Him. You got to trust Him. And you'll build a relationship with Him. So say it one more time, James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So there you go. There's what, that's the, that's the crux of what we're going to do for the next eight weeks. And if you will get on board and you will begin to really work this in your life, I promise you that in the next eight weeks, not only will you have a greater handle uh, on God's word, and especially in the Old Testament, but you'll have a great handle on the spiritual application that God has for you concerning these Old Testament heroes of the faith. And so uh, I, I just promise you that. So let's begin with Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Today, I'm just going to give you some thoughts about Abraham that you can begin to process so you can understand who he is. But in that, let me just say concerning uh, Abraham, I want you to get this. If you don't get anything, uh, if you get anything, get this. Abraham is an Old Testament prototype of a New Testament believer. 
Say that out loud with me. It's not up there. Abraham, I'll say it again. Abraham is an Old Testament prototype of a New Testament believer. How many of you know what a prototype is? You ever, you, you don't want to necessarily purchase the prototype, uh, and, and use it. You want the, you want the final form. But when you think about God's plan and God's plan for you and I, he threw Abraham into the mix right up front in the beginning as an Old Testament example of a New Testament believer. In fact, let me throw this bigger principle concerning that out. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I'm going to say it again. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So when you're, when you're reading the Old Testament, you go, man. In fact, when we look at Abraham today, how many of you know Abraham and, and what do most people know about Abraham? Most believers know about Abraham. What did God ask him to do in Genesis 22? How many of you know that Old Testament, that picture, he's going to have to sacrifice his son. And then God provides a what? Ooh, Jesus. He provides a ram. How many of you know Jesus is the sacrificial lamb? He's the, he's the substitute. And so there it is. It's the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. When you put the two together, you start reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, look together, put them together, you go, oh, Shazam, man, I'm telling you, that's phenomenal. So that's the way it is with Abraham. He's a picture of, of a New Testament believer. Now, are you ready to do some quick Bible, Bible, you got Bible work here? Put your hands together or your, your phone together. Here we go. I want to show you this about Abraham. Now, just in, if you look in James 2.23, what we see said. We'll look at it in more depth later. What does it say? Abraham did what? He believed God and it was accounted to him for what? Wait, time out. Old Testament. I thought in order to be righteous, you had to have the shedding of the blood of the bull and the goat. And, and you remember the priest comes and all of that. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so the only way to be covered and to be taken care of when it comes to being right with God is through the shedding of the blood of the bulls and goats. And that is true. But in the middle of this mix <coughs> is Abraham. In the middle of all that law, of what it takes to be covered. Here's Abraham, the father of our faith. It says he believed God and it was accounted to him or reckoned to him as righteousness. In other words, his faith put him in right standing with God. That's, that's Abraham. Uh, now go to Romans real quick. We're going to do this quickly. Everybody say quickly, quickly, quickly. Everybody said, everybody say quickly, quickly. Here we go. Romans four and five. Uh, in fact, you read all this later, uh, because in Romans four, it talks about the faith of Abraham. Uh, gosh, uh, you know, let me just jump in there. I, hmm. Well, as it, I'm going to jump in verse 17 of chapter four, just so you know, I'm, I'm not lying to you. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Who's he speaking of? Abraham. All right. And in the presence of him, whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary, speak about Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore, what does it say about him? It was accounted to him for what? All right. Now, I could read the next few verses, but look down in verse 5. And you see the, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Look what it says, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. When you see a therefore, you look back and see what the therefore is there for. And he's given an il illustration about Abraham, the Old Testament father of our faith, who was justified by faith and not just covered by the blood, but by faith in the finished work uh, of what God was, uh, was in the process of doing. It says, therefore, in reference to us, having been justified by what? By what? 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, whom whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So how many of you are seeing Abraham now? He's an Old Testament prototype of a New Testament believer. You're getting it? Because if you don't get this, I'll be in trouble here. You got to get this. I'm going to give you one more. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I got to get this in you, and then we can move forward. You got to get this down. Galatians chapter 3. Now, how many of you know uh, Paul got a little ticked off with the Galatians? Because what happened to the Galatians? They started, they got the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, and then they started falling back into legalism of the law. And how many of you know, uh, if you're going to get the message of uh, being saved by faith and being walking by faith, you can't be legalistic. You can't be under the law because this is now the age of grace. And look what it says. Oh, foolish Galatians. Verse one, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Uh, and oh, let me jump down in verse five. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he not do it uh, by the, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham, here we go, believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, now follow what I'm about to read to you. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith, uh, of faith are sons of Abraham. Now catch verse 8. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, And you, all the nations, shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Did you see what Paul just said? Paul said the gospel was preached not only to Abraham, but through Abraham, and it was way before the church was born. Now, what, what are we talking about? Abraham is an Old Testament prototype of a New Testament believer. And so if he's the prototype, we ought to, if he's the role model in a sense, if he's the example, we need to really tune in and this week read the suggested, uh, 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 scriptures and, and memorize that key verse in James 2 verse 23 and be here on Wednesday night and begin to discuss what God is saying to us and how he's using this Old Testament hero of the faith to help us be what God wants us to be. And that's men and women of faith. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, I got 30 minutes to give you seven thoughts about Abraham. And so here we go, insights into the father of our faith, Abraham, number one. You can write it down or you can take a picture. He was undoubtedly chosen. He was chosen by God to do what God wanted him to do and to be a role model in a, in, in a sense and the father of many nations and raising up, in fact, uh, uh, Genesis 12 and Interesting. And when you read Genesis 11 and 12, you're going to, you're going to, here's what you're going to find out about Abraham. He had a father named Terah or Terah, however you want to say it. And there's not much known about his life at all until God speaks to him and says, get up and go. Genesis 12 is where God speaks to him. Take your family and go out to a place that you, that I'll show you. Just in other words, you got, you're going to have to trust me here. Everybody say, you're going to have to trust me here. That's what God said to him. God didn't say, here's the map of where you need to go. And here's one, two, three. What do most of us do? God, if you'll just give me one, two, and three, then, and get me where you want me to go, then I'll trust you. How many of you know, that's not faith. It's faith is when you hear a word from God and you step out and begin to obey. And, and he was undoubtedly chosen. God chose him. Now, it, uh, and so, he, he's chosen by God. How many of you know God chooses even the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? And God has chosen us. Everybody say, I'm chosen. We all are chosen. Just like Abraham was chosen. And you say, well, Abraham was special. Well, we'll, you'll see in a moment that he was no more special than any of us. 
But when you look at Matthew 1, that's where most people don't really read Matthew 1. But when you read Matthew 1, it's, it's the genealogy of who? It's the genealogy of Jesus. And you got to get this. I'm going to get over there. I'm a little slow, but I'm going to get there. I want to show you just the beginning of Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah, Judah begot blah, blah, blah. They all begot, they all begot. And what happened? They got down and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. God chose, and, and here's the parallel. Here's the New Testament principle. Well, that was Abraham. How many of you know God has chosen us to bring Christ to a world that is lost and without him. You are undoubtedly chosen. Tell somebody, look somebody, put, hey, you can even put a finger in their face if you want to. Just tell them, you, just like Abraham, are undoubtedly chosen by God. Amen? Number two, Abraham was immediately obedient. Everyone say immediately obedient. Now, two passages, and there's a lot, but two passages, you write them down. Genesis 12, that's where God called him to go out to a place, and then Genesis 22. These two are keynote passages about about Abraham and his faith and trust in God. Genesis 12, verse 4, basically, when God told him to get out and go to a go to the place that God had for him uh, and, and a place that I will show you, uh, I'm not going to give you all the answers. I'm not going to give you uh, the full map. You just got to get going. Everybody say, get going. You got to get going. Uh, it says in verse four, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He was immediately obedient. Once he got the word of the Lord, he obeyed the word of the Lord. And I'm telling you something today from, from, from just the life of Abraham, the more we get into this vein, the, 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 the more blessed we become. And then we get over to Genesis 22. We'll talk about this more. And it says God tested Abraham. How many of you know God tests us? And he tested his faith by asking him to take his only son, Isaac. And this, hey, let me just pause right here. This is why you need to read Genesis from at least chapter 11 all the way up through the death of, of Abraham, I think in Genesis 25. Uh, you, you need to read that in context. Don't, hey, let me just throw this out to you. Sit down, take 15 or 20 minutes, and slowly read about the life of Abraham. And because between Genesis 12 and Genesis 22, there, there's, a, there's a whole lot of living going on. In fact, the interesting thing about Abraham, his life was in three, uh, uh, three 40-year segments, and I don't have time to talk about that, but hey, he obeyed God. He was immediately obedient. And when God said, you take Isaac, your only son, and take him up there and sacrifice, it says, man, let's load them up. Let's get the wood. Let's get the... And he gathered servants and helpers, and off they went to the, I think, Mount Moriah. Oh, there's a whole lot there. We talked about it. But he was immediately obedient to God. And that's so huge. In fact, let me just say to you, because he's the father of our faith. Let me say to you, you can, hey, if you're taking notes, scribble this down. Hebrews chapter three, verse 18 and 19. Uh, just scribble that down and look at it later. In this passages, and I think it's a reference to Abraham. I'm, I'm not sure, but here's, here's the lesson of those two. Faith and obedience are synonymous. You can't have faith without obeying God, and you're not going to obey God without having faith. It's like you can't have one without the other. It's like they're twins. Joined at the hip. So if you're not obeying God, you're not walking in faith. If God speaks to you something and you do not obey it, you are showing a, a rather evident and glaring lack of faith and trust in God. But how many, how many of you know, God will never say to you, do something if he doesn't have your best interest and his greater cause in mind. Even with the, the, with the, the seemingly, uh, gosh, just off the charts, give me your son and, and not only give him to me, but I want you to take his life for me. 
Wow. Everybody say, wow. And you know what you're going to read in Hebrews 11 about that? About how Abraham processed that? Abraham, when he heard the word, he, he put two and two together. He didn't go, what in the, what in the world? He didn't go, what in the world? He said, he put two and two together. Well, I know him. And I know he's never going to do anything. And I know he has power over death, hell, and the grave. So my synopsis here is, and my understanding here, if he wants me to take his life, well, then undoubtedly, because he's already promised me that Isaac is going to, from his seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed and his seed will be as the sand of the sea. I've already got his promises about this. So therefore, God's not changing his mind. Therefore, God will just raise him from the dead. Somebody say amen. But most of us don't go down that road. We go, well, what are you talking about? And we doubt what he says. But Abraham, oh man, I'm telling you, I better move on. He was immediately obedient. Number three, Abraham was relationally connected to God. It was not religiosity with him. Now, I wish I knew, and I don't need to know, but it would be nice to know how he got to this place of hearing God. We absolutely do not know unless, unless somebody's got something in the, in, in the first uh, 11 chapters of Genesis that tells me how Abraham got to this place, but God speaks to him and he obeys God. And then when he gets up and goes, now here's what I want you to see. This is where the light came on for me, uh, uh, quite a bit this, this week and especially this morning. When he got up and started going, he'd get to a certain place and you know what he did. Everybody say, you know what he did. He'd get to a place and he would build an altar. God didn't tell him to build an altar. At least we don't know that God told him to build an altar. We don't know. How did he get to this place where he was hearing God and beginning to build altars to God? Genesis 12, 7, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis 12, 8, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Genesis 13, 18, and he built an altar to the Lord. Now, these altars are places of sacrifice. In fact, the root meaning of the word altar is, is, is inference of sacrifice. And so here we get Abraham. He doesn't get, God said, get up and go. He gets up and goes. And then what's, what, you know what he did? He built an altar. And in that altar, he came to the place where he was willing to give and to sacrifice whatever God wanted from him. Let me just tell you the difference between him and us. How many of you want to know the difference between then and now? Are y'all with me this morning? How many of you want to know the difference between then and now? You know what we do when we get to the altar? We come to the altar and we think it's all about us. We think I'm going to go to the altar and God's going to, he's going to touch me. Oh, he's going to help me. Oh, he's going to bless me. I'm going to go to the altar and I, oh, I'm going to get God to do something great for me. Just come to the altar and God will do great that wasn't Abraham's thing. Now, let's go back. Abraham's the father of our faith. And he was relationally connected because when he, when he, he built an altar, he did it to God. And you know, you know what we read just a few moments ago in James 2? He was called the friend of God. He built altars. He was relationally connected by faith to the God of the universe. So much so that his MO, he had an MO. What's your MO? Uh, my, his MO or, or his, the identity of his life. And I, I didn't have time to track this down, but, uh, there's a couple of places, uh, where it talks about him, that one New Testament, one Old Testament, him becoming the friend of God. People, there's Abraham. You know who he is? He's God's friend. Can I ask you a question? Say, yeah, Pastor. How many real friends do you have? Ooh, this is good. Somebody better record this. How many good friends do you have that every time they come over to your house, they say, can I have this? Do you mind if I have it? Would you give me this? Would you give me that? 
Man, you're such a great friend. Oh, I love this new zero turn mower you got. Could I have that? Man, look at this. Oh, refrigerator. They grabbed a gallon of milk. Oh, this is great. I love this. Amen. Now, how many of you, come on now. How many of you would look, now that's a really good friend. You ever had anybody like that in your life? You want to be the friend of God? Don't do that to him. Did you know Abraham was wealthy? Doesn't mean we don't pray for our needs, but let me just tell you something. His, listen, his faith was best exhibited in what he was willing to offer to God than what he was trying to receive from God. Most of us admit, I have faith. I'm trusting the Lord for a new Cadillac. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. I'm trusting the Lord for a new job. I have faith. I'm believing God for this and believing God for that. We should believe God for this and believe God for that. But I'm telling you, that's not what makes you the friend of God. What makes you the friend of God is when you just realize, man, I'm on a journey with him. And wherever I land, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to build me an altar and I'm going to spend some time for him. I'm going to give him whatever he wants because he is my friend. My Lord. Think about that for a minute. Wowsville. That's what I've been chewing on. Number four. He was sacrificially responsive. Now, again, I'm hitting on this, but let me just build on it. The altar means really the root word means a place of sacrifice. And when you look in, in, you know, from before Abraham, the only other place an altar is mentioned is when Noah builds an altar to God. Genesis 8, I think maybe verse 22 or Genesis 22, I don't know. Uh, but the only other, I mean, and then Abraham shows up and the first, at the first place he lands after he heads off to obey God, he's building an altar. And, and the word altar, a place of sacrifice. He builds a, he comes, he gets to the first stopping place. And then the next verse, he goes to another place. He builds another altar and he builds another altar. It was his habit. The habit of his life was to come to God and say, what do you want from me? How can I serve you? What can I give to you today? What do you need from me today? And I'm telling you, that's not the way we think. And he's an Old Testament prototype of supposedly a New Testament believer. But we all messed up when it comes to this thinking, this thing of faith. Faith is not to get God to give you what you want. Faith is brings you to a place where you're willing to give him whatever he wants. Just whatever you want. And he had this lifestyle. So, man, I'm telling you, God was watching. He said, okay, let me test you. Give me your boy. Now, wait a minute, time out, Lord. You're going a little too far. No, load him up. Because that's the, that's the way I think. That's the way I live. My life isn't uh, uh, spent all my life trying to get God to, uh, to jump through my hoops and give me what I need and make me feel good and get, no, my life is spent offering to God my life and giving Him whatever He wants. And, and, and I'm, He's just sacrificially responsive to God. And He responded rightly. When you read Genesis 22, he, he responded rightly. Now, here's a little, here's a little, here's a little nugget. When you're ready to give something before God asks, when we are, then we're sacrificially responsive. What do you have that might be hard to give? Man, God went right for the jugular with Abraham. 
give me your son. And that's what real faith, walking by faith is. It's not not trying to get to a place where you don't need faith. (laughs) That's so contrary. That doesn't even make sense. Most of us, our, the, the level of our faith is, I'm going to believe God to get me to a place where I don't have to trust him anymore. <laughs> is that not funny to anybody else? Or am I, I think that's funny. Or if you, maybe, maybe it's only hitting me. It may not be hitting you. When Abraham was ready to give something up, now this in no way compares to Abraham's illustration, but let me quickly give you our illustration, and you've heard it before, but some of you may haven't. Beverly and I, how long have we been here now, Beverly? 20 plus years, 20 plus years. We lived in Quitman, Texas, and we had a beautiful little house on, on Lake Fork, and our kids grew up there. We, we have a tree that Laura planted that was, a, she got it from Earth Day that was about this tall, planted out in the front yard. Now today, it needs to be trimmed. It's just big, huge oak tree that overshadows the front yard. Some of you have been there before. And so we had this beautiful home, our little home that we loved, and, and, I, and most of you all know it's no secret that I love Lake Fork. I just love it. In fact, I got a T-shirt my kids gave me that says, I heart Lake Fork. I mean, I'm just telling you. And so when God spoke to us to come here, our first response was, man, the devil is messing up our plant. No, we began to hear God. So we began to process this. We heard God. We know we're coming here, but oh my goodness, I'm going to have to sacrifice We drove down here and I just saw, where in the world are we coming to? Where's the pine trees and the rolling hills? Our first morning we woke up here, I smelled Evadale. I went, the Lord's tricking me. This This was a trick. It was a trap. But I'll never forget when we had resigned ourselves to come here. I, I had my time of sacrifice. I went down to the dock and the sun's setting. I got to draw you a picture. Sun was setting over this beautiful lake and I'm looking up at my little house and I'm looking there and I'm going, and I said to the Lord, this does not belong to me. This belongs to you. You gave it to me as a, as the Manager, it doesn't belong to me. This is yours. And I give it back to you. And that was hard for me. And I started feeling pretty good. I got that off my chest. Me and the Lord had our talk. I gave it up. And I'm feeling pretty good. I felt like I'd broke through. And I sensed the presence of the Lord. I said, okay, now I can move on now. I don't have to look back. And the Lord spoke to me in my heart of hearts. I believe just like he would have spoken to Abraham. I knew I heard the voice of the Lord. And you know what he said? He said, you can keep it if you want. I said, what? In my little pea brain, I can keep it if I want? I can keep it. It wasn't like I gave it to him. He gave it right back. I can keep it. Are you kidding me? How does that work? Because I was so narrow-minded, and all of a sudden I realized, I'm going to lease this to the incoming pastor. He didn't have a place to live. Bless God, hallelujah. And today... That little house is still in our possession and it it has become one of our primary sources of income. That was over 20 years ago. You can keep it if you want. Now, that had no way compared to Abraham, but I'm telling you something. 
We got to come to the place where we let loose the things that we hold so near and dear. If you want to really be the friend of God, <laughs> if we want to really be called the friend of God, we've got to realize that all that we have belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. And we got to be willing to give it up and be sacrificially responsive to God. Whatever you have that you're guarding so closely, whatever you're hiding from God or whatever little this or that that you have, I want to tell you something. God, it belongs to him. Amen. He was sacrificially responsive. And I got to move along. Here's one. He was naturally flawed. This makes us all in line. Here's the father of our faith. He was just a, he was just a man. Beverly had this discussion. We tend to think, well, he was special to God. There's nothing special about Abraham prior to him being willing to obey God. He was just a man. He was still a man. When he died, he was just a man. But he's a man of faith, and he was the father of our faith. And so he was naturally fallen. In fact, in the journey, they come into some foreign lands. Abraham's little brain starts working. He's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm married to Hadi. And when I get in this foreign land, the king of that land is going to want my wife. And so twice he did this. So he told his wife, we're going to lie. When we get there, you're just my sister. Now, in a sense, she was kind of, she was like a, I'd have to get out our graph to figure this out. So his little white lie, she's my sister, she's not my wife. And they said, well, great, I'd, I'd love to have her. That's the father of our faith. He was just a man. And both of those times, God just supernaturally intervened in the middle of his natural thinking. Aren't you glad God doesn't go by everything we think or do? Amen. And here's another one. Sarah can't get a grip on this baby thing. In fact, when God spoke, what did she do? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she's beginning to think, poor Abe, he's on to this thing about his kids. I got Hagar, got my servant girl. Why don't you just have a baby with her? This is Abraham, the father of our faith, who believed God and was accounted him for righteousness who was spending time at the altar of God, offering and sacrificing and being willing to give his own son uh, in, in latter years. But he said, you can't have a child. Well, let's just have one by Hagar, this servant girl right here. And Abraham goes, <laughs> sounds like a plan. And you know the story. She gave birth to Ishmael. And how many of you know today, one of the greatest conflicts in the earth today is the conflict between the seed of Isaac and the seed of Ishmael. In fact, God honored his word to, to Hagar because he, God said to Abraham, your seed's going to be blessed and your seed's going to be as the sand of the sea. And so it's like, oh, here, well, there's, there's Ishmael. He wasn't God's choice, but God honored his promise. And when, when Hagar was off in a barren land, God comes to her and says, Hey, you got to understand something. I'm going to honor Abe's faith here. And the word of the Lord I gave, I'm going to, pardon me, I'm going to honor my word I gave to Abraham. But it reveals that the father of our faith was naturally flawed. So therefore, when we look at our life and go, ain't no way I can be an Abraham. Well, you, how many of you, let me just ask this question. I'm about done. How many of you are naturally flawed? You are a good recipient and a worthy vessel to be a man or woman who walks by faith. Number six, quickly. Oh, let me, let me, I got Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Remember, what was Abraham? He was justified by what? You know what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says? For by grace you're saved through what? And that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. You see, if you think, whoo, look at me, I have faith. No, that, that's, no, it's, it's a gift. 
We all have a measure of faith. Even though we're naturally flawed, God's given us all a measure of faith. Okay? Number six, he was completely convinced. When you read Romans 4, I read it earlier. When you read Hebrews 11, you know what you're going to find out about Abraham? He did not doubt God. In fact, I read it earlier. He... He, he did not look at his, the, the state of his age or the state of, of his wife's womb. In fact, I think he, uh, the, the Romans passage, he said he was fully convinced. Everyone say that with me out loud. Fully convinced. I'm convinced. How many of you got some things in life you're convinced about? Beverly, let me just ask you, are you convinced that I love you? Are you fully convinced that I love you? You don't ever doubt my love for you. Are you sure? Because sometimes you look at me funny. There's some things in life we're fully convinced about. How many of you are fully convinced that if I take uh, this phone and throw it in the air, it's going to do what? It's going to come back. You're fully convinced about gravity, correct? You're fully convinced. Why? Because you know, you have experience. You know what made Abraham fully convinced? He had experiential knowledge. Can you, hey, let me tell you something. He had walked, uh, he had walked this journey and then God tests him and he's about to raise the knife and slay his son because he knew uh, God would just raise him from the dead and look and behold, there in the bush was a ram caught by the horns and God said, there he is. Now I know you're fully convinced. And then finally, Abraham was faithfully committed. And you read this later. James chapter 2 is the story of faith and works. It's the little, it's the message about faith and works and references Abraham again. Some people say, I have faith. Some people say, I have works. And what's the message is? Well, well, one has faith, one has works. Does works save him? No. But what happens is when you have faith, there will be works. In fact, the scripture says, I'll show you my faith by my works. What did Abraham do? And there's a, this passage, it, he, he was committed he just didn't sit on the sidelines and go, man, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, God. I believe you enough. I'm going to get up and go. I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm committed to the cause. Uh, if you call me the father of many nations, bless God, I'm the father of many nations. I'll do whatever you want me to do to, to get wherever you want me to go. And, and I'm committed to this. I'm completely, absolutely, totally, absolutely convinced. And I'm completely and absolutely committed to the cause. And I will do Whatever you want me to do. Abraham, Old Testament prototype of a New Testament believer. And I'm convinced that God has not raised the bar too high for us. Because it's by, for by grace I'm saved through faith. That's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. I've, God gave me faith. So with that in mind, I'm going to close. Here's the life lesson. Here's the life lesson. Let's read it together. An active and thriving faith is the cornerstone of Christianity and the vital ingredient for living the life that God has designed for us to live. Therefore, we must, quote, walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Everybody read it out loud with me. Here's the life lesson for the day. This is what you need to take home. Take a picture. Write it down. An active and thriving, I can throw in there, growing faith is the cornerstone of Christianity and the vital ingredient for living the life that God has designed for us to live. Therefore, we must walk by faith and not by sight. And let me just throw in Hebrews 11, 4 or 6. I think it's 6. Without faith. It's impossible to please God. 
Woo, I'm done. Let's stand up. I went a little long. I got excited. I told you some stories. It's five after. I'm telling you today. We don't want to mess this up. Let's follow the footsteps of our father of faith. Let me just go over these quickly for you, and then we're going to pray. He was undoubtedly chosen. He was immediately obedient. He was relationally connected. It's called the friend of God. He was sacrificially responsive. Whatever God wanted, he could have. He was naturally flawed. But in the middle of all that, he was completely convinced and faithfully committed to the plan of God for his life. Father, today as we bow our head and we digest this word from the Lord, help us, Lord, to build an altar, not just so you can come and bless us, but to build an altar so we can come and bless you. You know, I try to be cognizant of the time here, and I apologize, but just for a moment, let's come to this altar, whosoever will, no pressure. And just coming to this altar here, we say, Lord, I'm not coming for me, I'm coming for you. I'm going to step down off of that. I'm coming to the altar. Lord, I'm coming to the altar, not for me, but I'm coming for you. And Lord, let this coming be an outward expression of an inward commitment to build an altar in our life for you where we come and lay ourselves, Lord, down. Just as you said in Romans, Lord, 12, you said, we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service of worship. Lord, we come and we, Lord, say to you, Lord, let us be people who build an altar in our heart for you. Let us trust you in every circumstance. And as we sang this morning, it's all about you. It's all for you, God. Lord, we trust you not just to meet our needs. Lord, we trust you so much so we just want to offer whatever we have in our lives on the altar of sacrifice. We thank you for it today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, in some way, as we walk this walk, live this life of faith, may it be said, not just in earth, but in heaven, that we have become the friend of God. We thank you for faith you've given us. We trust you, Lord. We believe you, God. Help us be fully convinced and faithfully committed. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, bless the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Offer to him the sacrifice of praise. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.